everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you for joining us. The music of Robbie Eagles bringing us into the show, and there's a reason for that. As I say g'day to my co-hosts, Welshie and Lyle. Hello, guys. I believe it's a very good day, Tony. It is a very good day. It always is a very good day. Well, not so much for you, but we'll get into that. Oh, well, no, we will get into that. Lyle, how are you, buddy? Uh, how you going, mate? I'm, uh, I had a good day after hearing some news about you. So, <laughs> What was that? That I'm locked down? Well, not locked it's down. Not very I'm actually, nice. I'm in uh, quarantine for 14 days out of... Uh, <laughs> Out on the uh, 2nd of September. So I happened to go to uh, Woolworths at Miller's Junction in Altona the day that somebody was there with COVID. So are you, are you okay for groceries and whatnot? Uh, no, but that's all right. We'll, we'll get through. So you didn't load up. You didn't load up when you went to... Well, I didn't know. Spot, like... I didn't know that I was going to be locked down. So I just sort of got enough for a couple of days. And it was always one of my treats was actually what? getting out of the house to go shopping. Well, Lyle's Every got a rumour about you. <laughs> about Tony, I've got a photo, and I, I will preface this by saying it does look like someone's taken this photo from an Android phone from 150 metres away, <laughs> but it definitely looks like you, and you have three trolleys on the back of your four-wheel drive, and I, obviously I can only see the top layer of each trolley. It looks like toilet paper. Can you no, that's not me. No, definitely not. You weren't panic buying. Never, never. Well, I heard, I heard that it was actually you, you snuck down there like you do every day at five o'clock to buy all the half price Chinese food that's been sitting there all day. Definitely do that, and the bread as well goes for half price also. And that's why you got caught because, like, even though your wife was making dinner, you were off buying Chinese food to have as an entree. It may have had something to do with the lady that I was chatting to in aisle four. While she was coughing and spluttering. Yeah. So, so, jo- so jokes on uh, them, Tony. You've been locked down for 14 days, but you've got enough Chinese food for 17 days. Correct. And the great news is, is that my family still loves me after the fact that they're locked down for 14 days as well. <laughs> how was the head, mate? This is how they, they don't like you at the best of times. This they is tolerate how you. This is how much they've taken it. I've been sleeping in my office slash study for the last two days because I had to sort of isolate until I got a negative. So I got the negative this morning and I said to my wife, oh, that's great. I'll start moving my bed back into our room. She said, uh, no. She said, no, you can stay there for the duration. And I said, what are you fucking talking about? Just in case. And she said, no, just in case. She said, just there's an incubation period. And she said, I don't want you anywhere near me. So, so are you say you saying your wife's sleeping in a bedroom on her own, Tony? Yes. As I am. this 5k limit from my house for a minute. You, I was going to say you're available. <laughs> it's a bit far for you. When when you uh, when you asked me earlier on on our group chat, Lyle, whether if there was anything that I needed, you'd be more than happy to help. I didn't <laughs> actually think he meant. you meant that. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you um, have you have people been reaching out? Have you been getting any messages from people? Yeah, no, about look, this. There is a, a very, very special person or couple close to my heart who provided uh, me and my family with some very beautiful treats. So God That's bless nice, them. Eh? Uh, and they know who they are. I don't need to name them publicly. They know who they are. There was also uh, Jeff from, what's that show called? 
WrestleBrainia. That's it. Jeff from WrestleBrainia uh, got in touch and he said, mate, if there's anything I can do, I said, Jeff, the best thing you can do is never fucking get in touch with me again. <laughs> especially, especially after he didn't book us for this show. No, I champions. But that's like, that got cancelled for COVID just like you have been at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things you've been cancelled for, Tony, that COVID wasn't the first time. Well, it to wasn't even the fourth thing that I thought I'd be cancelled for. <laughs> Let alone the first. Uh, 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 good episode last week, guys. It was really nice to to hear from Jet. Um, it was. And, uh, I mean, following on from that, we've got news that, unfortunately, another... Mel- we'll, we'll, call, we'll talk about it later, but another Melbourne wrestler is also retired uh, due to injury, which is Richie Taylor. But we'll cover that with Jules when he gets here. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll throw to our big interview, Tony. Yeah, well, oh, no. I'll throw... Or we'll talk about our lovely sponsor at the Australian Wrestling Network. Yeah, well, we could do that as well. Let's do that. Of course, Australian Wrestling Network is your place for everything you want in Australian wrestling. If it's been recorded on tape in the last 30 to 40 years, the Australian Wrestling Network have it on their system, and you can Wrestle Rampage has it. just jumped on there. Wrestle Rampage is Fantastic. now available good on get. Australian Wrestling Network. So um, you've got some of the best wrestling from each state in the country. Um, so why why wouldn't you? Apparently, my legal team is still in negotiations with AWN, the Australian Wrestling Network, about getting the circus show, the NGW circus show up. New generation, the new generation wrestling circus show. I think we need to record some uh, new audio for it. Then it will definitely go up. Not a bad I still idea. think that's a go. Not a bad idea. Once right. I'm not going near you at the moment, though. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, uh, unfortunately, due to myself being in quarantine, I wasn't able to get to this interview. But it was uh, an interview that was set up and conducted perfectly between yourself, Jules, yourself, Welsh, I should say, Jules and Lyle. Let's have a listen to the boys having a chat to the NJPW champion, Robbie Eagles. Hey, very good day to uh, all you fellas. It's, um, it's very nice to see some familiar faces and uh, hear the accents that I've been missing for a while now. How long have you been in Japan for now? Uh, I've been here almost two months at this stage. And what, what, you... What are they... Oh, sorry, you're up. And you... Um... Had just bought a house right before you um, fled the country. Um, what's it like being away, um, you know, during such an exciting period of your life and then having to sort of go to work? Uh, it was pretty interesting in the fact that, like, uh, we weren't doing renos at home, but we were definitely sprucing the place up that we bought and painting and recarpeting and stuff like that. And getting uh, pictures and videos from my wife now of a place that I don't even recognize compared to what I left it in is very, very surreal. So uh, I can only imagine what it's going to be like in several months time when I finally get back and I go, oh, is is this the same place that we bought? Like, did you just (laughs) relocate a whole new building or is this the same place? Because, yeah, I imagine it's going to be very much like that. I hope she's got good taste in colors for the walls and things like that because you're having no say in it. Uh, well, whatever she wants, you know, happy wife, happy life. So Smart. I understand. Uh, have you, have you spent more time living in the dojo than you, the actual house that you bought at this stage? Yeah, I have. 
Yeah. How, how fucked up is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just get to have that new house feeling twice over, right? Exactly. Except last year when I came over, I uh, also spent a chunk of time in the dojo. So it was a little bit of like, you know, same, same, but different. Um, but yeah, I would have appreciated a bit more time than three weeks in my brand new home that I'm going to be paying for the rest of my life. <laughs> You've got a lifetime to, to lifetime memories to make there. Um, let's talk a little bit. We're going to go straight to the money question. Um, you're at the Tokyo Dome um, and you're winning the, the championship, the first Australian to do it. What are those, what are moments like that mean to you as a guy who's worked his whole life to get there? It means absolutely everything. It's, that culmination of everything that I was working towards at that point. Um, and that's kind of been my feeling for any championship I've won anywhere in the world, you know, all of them being in Australia, but I've definitely fought some worldwide competition. Um, since really having those aspirations of wanting to be a part of the Japanese wrestling culture back from watching the super J cup with Hayabusa and Jushin Liger and the likes and great Sasuke, it always felt like a bit of a, a pipe dream or something that was almost achievable but unachievable in the same sense um so as much as i got close to things and being like oh i'm in best of the super juniors oh i'm doing a tour with new japan it still felt like those moments like a championship match at the tokyo dome was kind of like not really on the table um and then when this opportunity presented itself i was just like i'm i, I use the word lucky so much with my career and i really did feel truly lucky to experience that you know, it didn't matter that there was only, you know, a small capacity of fans compared to what the Tokyo Dome we've all experienced has been like in the past. It still felt like there was 40, 50,000 people there to me because I knew how much this meant to everyone back home as well that had been a part of my journey and just wanted to see where the next step was for me. And um, yeah, I just so overcome with emotions from the morning till the evening that day. Um, it still chokes me up a little bit thinking about how it all went down. Just you, talk about those, you talk about those old times watching um, Super Juniors and, and you talk about the venue. So after doing that, you then go and, and wrestle six shows in two weeks at Corakuen Hall. So just, just thinking about that, what, what, how can you even describe how it feels to, to do that many shows in such a legendary venue and, and still go on to do more uh, coming up. It's just get back to work, isn't it, Jules? Like uh, it's, it's being a professional wrestler now. I really understand the true meaning of, you know, people like the Iconics and uh, all our friends that are in other companies around the world, especially within that WWE system. Uh, I really have a greater understanding for what they would go through on a day-to-day but I think the schedule here is more than any of them have really had to face in the last couple of years, just because even though we're amidst the pandemic, like you mentioned, we're, we're wrestling at Corican Hall back to back straight after. Like there was, there was no real off days, but if you want to scoop um, the first Corican Hall event, that was like two days after Tokyo Dome, extremely hungover. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't tell in the ring. So that's a, that's a good thing. Oh, lucky there was no camera on my stomach or inside of my stomach because it was doing it was doing more backflips than I was. Yeah. Well, you what had a lot it? of supporters here um, watching along. 
um, and you know, I can say, uh, you know, I shed a tear when you got the the three the three count, and Twitter exploded here. Um, what's it like uh, after a match coming, you know, warming down, and then, you know, if you're checking your phone, whether it's that night or the next day, seeing the outpouring emotion of this barrier or this wall you've just broken down that can filter down for all the other wrestling, uh, you know, the guys and girls aspiring to take their wrestling to the limit. I want it to be inspiring for everyone back home. I want it to give them that extra drive and motivation to achieve what they want to achieve, whether it's, you know, locally or globally, uh, because that's how I started. I had local dreams and then I started looking at things bigger than that. And it's not, better because I feel like some of the stuff I experienced at home in Australia is just as good as what I had here. Uh, so it's not about bigger and better. It's just about bigger in terms of scale, like the Tokyo Dome, like on New Japan World and the viewership that that brings to it. And even just the presence of a New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Um, coming straight back from the match, I purposely didn't pick up my phone for a couple of minutes just to kind of let it sink in. Uh, and as you guys have all seen by now, I celebrated with the Shuey in much disgust and shock and awe from <laughs> fellow boys in chaos. Uh, I did I, I did ask one of them to give me a shoe, chalk it up to the, the communication translation issue and the barrier there with the languages, or just chalk it up to them kind of knowing what was coming and not wanting me to give, like, pull the Zima in one of their shoes. Fair enough, right? Um, but so I went through that. And then after the, the presser there and giving my comments afterwards, that's when it all kind of set in. I placed the, the championship on my, my wheelie bag that I bring to every show I do, no matter where I am in the world, and took the picture and put it on my Instagram. And that's when I was kind of like, holy shit, like this is, this is it. I'm, I'm the champion. And then I opened my phone uh, after sitting there for a while. And I was just like, fuck, this is going to take me hours to get through all of this. And I'm not saying that just to blow, blow smoke up my ass. I just think, especially with the struggle that a lot of our country was facing, there wasn't much else for people to do. So even if they, you know, didn't really care about my journey or about that match for me, people tuned in or at least kind of caught whim of what was going on. And it, it, it must've brightened their day or at least cheered them up a little bit because they felt the need to, you know, put it out there to the internet and social media and share their feelings and, you know, congratulations towards me. And, man like there's there so many people that reached out like people that I see all the time back home people that I haven't spoken to for you know months or years and it just makes me feel validated for how I've conducted myself in this industry because I've always tried to put my best foot forward smile and shake hands and you know have a, a polite conversation when and where I can um, if I'm tired or I don't have the time then I'm not going to force it uh, but if I have the time and the ability and someone wants to genuinely have a genuine conversation, I always do that. And if people want help in this industry, you guys know, I, I, I coach, I give feedback, I give advice wherever I can and whenever I can, because I really do appreciate the growth of Australian pro wrestling. So that was all for them. Like it was all for you guys. It was all for my, my colleagues in PWA and at the pro wrestling Academy and anyone else that's, you know, met me for five minutes or, you know, done a seminar with me or had a war with me in the ring. Um, it, it was all for everyone's spirit because that's what got me through 
the pain that I was suffering in that match. And that's what got me through the, the hard times that I faced amongst my career thinking, maybe I'll give up here. Maybe I'll stop. I might've been nine years in, 10 years in and gone, ah, maybe this isn't going to be a job for me. Maybe this isn't going to be the thing that I continue to do. Maybe I have to look for a real, a real gig. Um, but yeah, uh, I couldn't have done it without each and every person that I've met along the way, especially from Australia, because yeah, literally I wear my, my country's passion. It's my heart on my sleeve. So I can't say anything more about it. Yeah, and I think um, the feeling from Australia was that you really are just one of us. Like, everybody's got a Robbie Eagles memory, um, whether they're a fan, a wrestler. You've always been really good to, to me personally and to this podcast where if we've needed advice or assistance reaching out to someone, you've gone out of your way to help us. Um, so to see you reach these goals, it, it's hard not to just be incredibly happy for you oh man I, I really appreciate that because uh i don't really wrestle for myself like selfishly there's a part of me that's still the eight-year-old kid that said he was going to be a professional wrestler when he first set eyes on wcw and was just enamored by it but having done it for almost 13 years you know once you get a few years in you stop doing it for yourself because like it, it, you could just do something else instead that's probably more productive safer for your body and makes you more money um so when it got to that point i was like no i kind of kind of can't give up on myself anymore because of how much time and energy whether people were fans or people that have helped train me or people that have you know um put faith in me for for matches and positions on shows i had to do it for all of them out of respect because i don't want to waste people's time and energy i wanted it to be all worth it and that's that was the culmination of the Tokyo Dome match against El Desperado. It was, it was all that effort and energy that anyone had put forward towards my career in any way, whether it was saying hello, buying a t-shirt, sharing a tweet, whatever it may be, that was that all coming to the forefront and meaning something and really going, Hey, we did it. I didn't do it. We did as a country, as anyone that met me, uh, it was, it was a shared effort. And uh, I truly felt that in there. It almost felt like I was Goku in Dragon Ball and I was like summoning the power of everyone and a whole planet, basically, as, as corny as that may sound. Go on, Jules. You mentioned, you mentioned chaos before. Um, how does it feel after your junior heavyweight champion, one win away from taking the Super Junior Tag League, um, how does it feel to consider yourself one of the most successful members of chaos right now. <laughs> it's freaking wild, Jules. Like um, uh, that, that match that we had at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, no, not at the Tokyo Dome. After the Tokyo Dome at Corican, where I got to um, tag with Okada. So it was me, Tiger Mask and Okada. And Okada the whole time is just like, champ, champ. And I'm like, you're normally the champ. This is a weird <laughs> role reversal. Why is he like doing the finger guns towards me and my championship? But everyone's so supportive. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that I am one of the most successful members in the group right now. Uh, but, you know, there's still, there's still more matches to come and there's plenty of time. So who knows what, what the future holds. We missed, myself and Tiger Mask missed out on the, the Junior Tag League. But for a first-time pairing, I thought we did pretty damn good. And to, to team with, uh, with Tiger Mask, that, that must be something that has you pinching yourself as something that you never thought would happen well considering he was also 
part of the team with Liger in my debut uh, back in 2018. And he wasn't very fond of me back then. So <laughs> uh, I'm just thankful that he was uh, accepting of the offer to team together in the Junior Tag League. And he's a legend. So to team with someone with that status in history, it's just been a learning experience all over again for me because I'm a constant student of this sport. Um, so he's been able to teach me some stuff and we've been, we've been coming up with some pretty, some pretty unique and dynamic combinations in the ring. So I don't think it's a short-lived tag team. I think this is something that you guys might see in the future too. And I'm, I'm hopeful of that because it was a lot of fun teaming with him. Um, you know, uh, there was two times where my leg was pretty busted after the matches and he didn't help me down the stairs a bit. Uh, tough love from Tiger Mask, but it hardened <laughs> me up. It's like, you know, I can't always understand him, but I understood that he was saying, eat some cement and hard it up, Robbie. And I was like, oh, he's got a little Australian in him too. <laughs> <laughs> They're going three, three and two in the tag league. Obviously, you didn't get to where you guys wanted, but, you know, with a bit more experience tagging together, maybe bit down the line, you know, some tag team titles might come your way. But what was it like seeing El Fantasmo lose in the final? Did you get a little bit of enjoyment out of that? Oh, you guys, like, Lyle, you're saying you shed a tear when I won the Junior Heavyweight Championship. I shed so many tears when I saw Fantasmo <laughs> lose the Junior Tag League. It brought the biggest smile to my face because it's kind of like anyone but El Fantasmo is my motto in life. So, uh, you know, Ishimori, I can kind of, you know, feel a little bit of remorse for him because he shows signs of being a kind of decent person sometimes. Uh, but that headbanging scumbag, I could care less about. So uh, super happy that uh, Suzuki Gun took it over them. Yeah, cool. I think you christened him Al Dickhead as well. Uh, Your words, not mine. Your words, not mine. <laughs> Um, I do think that El Fantasmo is everything that Robbie Eagles isn't. Like you are kind of the yin and yang, like you're polar opposites. Yeah, I don't know how we coexisted for the couple of weeks we did when we did Super Juniors and then came to Australia. Like uh, I look back at that now and I was like, I was already annoyed with him back then. Why did I just let it be? Like, why did I think, oh, maybe I can make this work. Maybe this is another tag team partner I can have. I'm so glad that that didn't last long. But um, unfortunately, I still haven't been able to beat it. So that's still on the uh, the bucket list for me to check off. How are you feeling about being the um, the junior tag team in, in chaos, if you like, with uh, the departure of show? It's going to be interesting to see what lies ahead because you know i i've texted him uh i've also texted yo i haven't heard back from either of them so i think it's a bit rough and salty at the moment um but uh i think time will tell where this all leads and what happens uh just because they're at a difference doesn't mean that either of the boys are gonna leave us in chaos it might just be something that we need to sort out but yeah, it's a, it's a bit hairy at the moment to deal with. So um, that's their problem, though. I'm not going to get too involved because they've got so much history that I don't think I would bring anything to that to that um, as like a mediating, mediating role. So I'll, I'll let them sort themselves out. I hope the Chaos family can sort out its differences for sure. <laughs> and what a family that is. Chaos is very fitting. 
what's the uh, what's the pressure like um, now that you've got the the title around your waist on your on your shoulder? Uh, you're not hunting anymore. Now you'll be the hunted. Um, so a lot of good juniors out there will be chasing that title. You up for it? Of course. I mean, like the first defense is against the returning Hiromi Takahashi. So I don't get to rest no, on my off. laurels by any means. No, exactly. Um, and uh, people always question, you know, oh, Robbie's a bit silly. He, put, he, he wears a knee pad with a target symbol on his, on his leg. And then sometimes he's had people work that over. And I go, bring it on because no one's going to attack my leg the way I do. So I can get through the pain. And I showed that against Desperado. So as much as it's a bit of a, like a, waving the the red flag in front of a bull i i endorse it i i want the punishment because i want to show people that i can get through it and that's exactly my motto as the champion i released a t-shirt before i left australia that said kill first die last so that's that's kind of what i'm going by like hey and jules is repping it so uh, <laughs> what an absolute legend um yeah i literally want to embody that message because you know i'm going to strike first and if i go down i'm going down swinging basically so uh we're worrying about hiromu first and uh we'll get to the rest later and hopefully the world can open up so that i can really test myself against the greatest that are around right now where, where can we pick up that uh, shirt that jules already has where do you, where do you plug that uh you can get that at wrestler merch of course and it uh, oh, wait, no, it's not a wrestler merch. It is on Pro Wrestling Tees right now, coming soon to wrestler merch. Hopefully by the time this podcast drops, I'll, I'll sort that out. <laughs> Famously, Jules has a Robbie Eagles tattoo. Um, that's how much he loves you. Uh, if you and that's how a, much I love him as well. If he was to get a second Robbie Eagles tattoo, what should it be and where should it go? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't even think he should have got the first one because to me that was such like a crazy thing to, to understand he did. But like, I, I still love and appreciate it. But like, to me, I'm like, oh, I, I think about my choices of ink for about a year before I even get them. So I, I uh, appreciate Jules's ability to, to do that. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. No, I- it, it, He's got a lot less skin these days as well. <laughs> I, I think it, it's, it's something I thought about for a long time, just very quickly, because if, you had to, if I had to list 10 things that I love about professional wrestling, Robbie Eagles would be one of them. If I had to think about my top five experiences at a live wrestling event, Robbie Eagles versus Gino Gambino at MCW. So it, it, the whole piece of, of Inc. It speaks about the, the key moments in my life as a, as a wrestling fan. Um, and I, that it couldn't exist without Robbie Eagles for sure. Oh man, Jules, that you're gonna make me cry like I did at the Tokyo Dome again. So uh, please, please stop. Uh, but <laughs> it, to answer the question about if you were to get a second one, I think it would have to be along that same vein. So you'd have to wait for another moment that made you feel like the Gino Gambino moment and the interactions that you and I have had, and then it, it, it's going to be natural that way for you. So I wouldn't force any of my designs or ideas onto you, I'd let you kind of make that choice for yourself when the feeling was there. But no, I, I'd probably get another Richie Taylor tattoo instead of another Robbie Eagles one. <laughs> Maybe you could just um, update your current tattoo and just put the IWGP title in it. 
Well, after um, resurgence, I'm, I might have to cover up my Will Ospreay one. Put it like that. Um, So recently Australia won a lot of gold uh, in Japan But you were officially the first one Um, Did you catch much of the Olympics uh, Did you get to catch much of the Olympics when it was on? I wanted to, I really did I saw a little bit that was floating around on social media um, But I didn't go as in-depth into it as I wished to Just because I was so focused on Yeah the matches that I had coming up and like, I really ramped up my training leading into the Tokyo Dome match. And uh, like, I was trying to push my cardio a little bit as well. Um, I got a lot of comments from people like Rocky Romero about uh, the shape I was in leading into that match. And, you know, Rocky and I hadn't seen each other for almost a whole two year period. So he, he thought I was in tremendous, um, tremendous shape. So I just wanted to make sure that I was dialed in and focused. Um, I did catch some of the skateboarding because that was something that I thought was really cool that was introduced into the Olympics this year. And then it was whatever was kind of floating on the TV uh, that's here at the dojo. So I um, I caught a a little bit of shot put and I think I saw some diving at some point, but again, it's all kind of a blur. It's all the marquee events. Yeah, exactly. It was either... um, it was either before the dome and like my, my focus was very much tunnel vision onto one thing or it was after and I was maybe still hung over. So <laughs> Australia won 17 gold medals, I think, in the Olympics. I don't need so, to count Robbie's belt. That's what I'm getting to. If someone was to go out and start a petition to put the 18th medal in there and recognise Robbie, um, you wouldn't be against that, would you? No, not at all. I'm sure some of the Olympians were going on Twitter and looking at stuff and going, who's this Robbie guy that people are talking about? And why is he trending in Australia right now? We're doing all this like this stuff and someone random, some Robbie. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I wore the green and gold for you guys. (laughs) You worked longer than a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And how come he gets a crowd and they don't? That's that's, what? (laughs) I'm just saying Robbie Eagle sells tickets. <laughs> the, um, the reaction from the crowd when you did win it in uh, the Tokyo Dome was probably one of the loudest pops from the crowd, probably louder than was actually allowed. Um, <laughs> that must have been really meaningful to hear that your victory actually meant something to the people in attendance. Yeah, I uh, try to elicit that as much as possible here with either things I do that are a bit more risque match-wise to, you know, try and get the win. Sometimes catches the crowd off guard and uh, the win there and also the the flash pin victory I got the night before in, uh, I think it was in Osaka. Um, uh, You know, those were both moments that got those, those shock, surprise, natural reactions from an audience that was told you can't make noise with your mouth. Um, so hearing that at the dome was incredible because it meant it like solidified what I already knew, which was most people were looking past me and they were like, okay, so at the start of the show, Hiromu's announced that he's challenging El Desperado. And we know that the rivalry and history that those two have, people were looking past me as the challenger to be like, okay, well, you know, Desperado's a better wrestler than Robbie Eagles. So he's going to go on to face off with Hiromu in his return match. And that's going to be set in stone. So I think when I won, it really shocked everyone because they, you know, if it was like betting on black or red, you know, I was red, Desperado was black and everyone had their chips on black. 
so um yeah i mean i hope no one lost any money on me uh but uh they should have been betting on me from the from the get-go so that stuff is is truly meaningful especially in that restrictive nature that they're not supposed to do that but it can't be helped in a setting that they're like we know what's going to happen and then they go oh shit the thing that we thought was going to happen didn't holy crap now this is the reality that we're in and now it seems everyone's along for the ride so i'm just happy that people are supportive and you know of course my social media followings have have grown and all of a sudden i'm selling more t-shirts on pro wrestling tees which is strange i was like i was just as good of a wrestler before why do you like (laughs) me now that i'm a champion but i get it It, when you win championships like that it brings prestige and it brings more eyes to what you're doing because now people take you maybe more seriously um i got a text from jack bonza a couple days after and he was like do you realize that you are now a solidified and verified world champion you are now the 90th iwgp junior heavyweight champion and when i read that i went oh yeah shit that's like even if i lose the title at some point that's something that no one can ever take away from me like i'm always going to be in those history books as one of the champions and the first ever australian to win a title under the iwgp grouping you're wrestling you got the hiromu match coming up um, he is one of the greatest juniors of all time. Um, it's fair to say. What are you doing differently in training to prepare for that match? Again, lots of cardio because Hiromu has a gas tank like nobody else in this division, um, especially because, you know, he's one of the bigger guys in this division. He's, he's thick. And I felt that firsthand last year in Super Juniors. And I remember in his initial return match, when it was him and Bushi against myself and Will Ospreay, he hit me so damn hard. I probably got KO'd like three times in that match. Chalk that up to nervous energy from him, you know, coming back and returning for the first time in 18 months. But also chalk that up to how bloody, you know, solid the ticking time bomb is. Uh, so I really want to push my my cardio and agility to try and beat him on that end of the spectrum within the match. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to be looking to do probably is, you know, uh, I need to be smart. And if people want to say Robbie Eagles is a one-trick pony, he goes to the legs, well, that's fine. I've been wrestling for 13 years. I know other stuff too, and I know Hiromi is coming off a pec injury. I might not just target the leg. That seems like the dumb move to make. So I might take it up to the upper body and work something that's not going to be structurally as strong as it used to be. So, I mean, that's just one game plan that I can put out there. I might just start doing podcasts and saying I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. So <laughs> he listens to it and he's confused as fuck anyway. So, and then he doesn't know what's coming. I love the idea of Hiromu listening to all of your podcast appearances leading up to the match. That'd be amazing. Taking notes. That's yeah. scouting. 101. Well, he did give me Tim Tam, so I wouldn't put it past him listening to an Australian-based wrestling podcast. <laughs> he listened to Wrestle Radio Australia, I'm sure. <laughs> Shout out, Todd. Now, what, what's the, obviously your wife, family, and friends, and a new house? Other than those things, what do you miss most about home? Uh, my bed, because I just... I got to sleep in a brand new king size bed for two nights before coming here. So uh, an actual like big size bed would have been nice to have for a couple more nights. Um, Like my dogs, definitely. uh, I get 
pictures and videos of them all the time and just you know sometimes like you don't even you know they're there and they're just part of your day but until you're gone from them from such a long period of time you don't realize like how much like just giving them a quick pat for five minutes of the day means to you and uh, I've seen so many people walk their damn dogs here and I've just wanted to go rushing up to them but I'm like oh crazy foreign white boy running up to <laughs> Japanese people that probably don't speak much English in like a neighborhood like yeah probably not the ideal thing to do during a pandemic as well so um I haven't I haven't touched that too much um and then there's just a few like snack items that I was really vibing on before I came here there's like a salt and vinegar pea crisp that Woolworth sells and salt and vinegar like just does not exist over here not in chips, not in anything. So whenever I go to one of the supermarkets nearby and they have Pringles, I get like two cans and eat it in one day just because I'm so desperate for that sensation of that sweet and sour kind of combination. So um, yeah, that's definitely something else that I miss as well. All right, everyone send those salt and vinegar care packages to uh, <laughs> Robbie Eagles uh, at Coracuan Hall. Yeah, DM <laughs> me and I'll give you the place to send them to, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously you've alluded to it earlier, but Australia's and your hometown in particular of Sydney is going through like a really rough time at the moment. Um, and it's probably really hard to be away. Do you have any messages for people back here while they're, you know, struggling a little bit with the pandemic and the lockdowns? I don't want to say like, too much of it and be too philosophical because it's very rich coming from me someone that's in you know another country away from it all but the situation here is not the same but also not what it used to be back in 2019 pre-pandemic like I'm still within a state of emergency in Tokyo there's still you know almost 10 times the amount of cases or not 10 times but like a significant jump of cases here like the other day it was you know, a couple thousand within Tokyo and it was pretty high numbers. So the threat of what's going on back home is still happening here. Um, the ability to go to certain places, certain things are accessible, certain things close early. So it's, it is a little bit the same, but obviously quite different. Uh, what I have said to a few people is just, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't see it, because we've been through lockdowns before. And especially you guys in Melbourne, right? Like you're, you're copping it pretty, pretty hard in terms of the, the number of lockdowns you've gone through. But then you've come out of them, whether it's been for a long period or a short period, it, it has ended to a degree. And then we've had that freedom, whether it's restricted or not. So I just want everyone to to understand that there is going to be better days. It's not going to just continue to get worse because when we first had the pandemic, we didn't have the vaccine. So now we have the vaccine. So whatever is needed next to make it easier again will come, but it'll come with time. So patience is probably the best thing that people need to really employ. And then find things as little or insignificant as they would normally be that make you happy and make sure that that's within your day and reach as much as possible. Even if it's calling someone, sending a text, watching stuff on Netflix, whatever you normally wouldn't do because you're too busy or too this or too that. You know, if you normally go to bed at 10 because you've got to be up at eight, but you really feel kind of down, watch a movie for an hour and a half. Like, yeah, you're going to have less sleep before work the next day or whatever it may be. But if that puts your mind at ease and gives you that escape, 
you know, that's, that's what pro wrestling is for all of us here. Um, even for me, it's my escape from reality. Um, so I just want people to still have that escapism wherever it may be, whether it's in pro wrestling or something else, just find what makes you happy and do it. As long as you're not breaking any rules in terms of restrictions and lockdowns, because doing that is the opposite thing. And that's, what's making these things happen to everyone. So don't do those things. I think everyone should just subscribe to New Japan World at a reasonable price <laughs> and escape into some excellent pro wrestling. We got plenty of Corican Hall shows coming up for them to tune into <laughs> at a reasonable hour in Australia, 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, it's perfect. It is perfect for us. Uh, it's starting before all the curfews, so it's even better. Rush home. <laughs> <laughs> So what's it what's it going to be going to be like? Hopefully, uh, you keep that title for a long time, and you can bring it back home. Um, don't scratch your new bench in the kitchen when you put it on there to, to show your wife. <laughs> but coming out to a fully packed Max Watts in the ring, announce uh, announcing Robbie Eagles, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. What's what are those feelings going to be like? Oh man, I almost forgotten what Max Watts feels like because it it was something that I haven't been back to since you know the pandemic. Um, so there's been a couple of PWA events at Max Watts in the little gaps that we've had where you know things were back to normality for a little bit, um, and I wasn't there. So uh, I'm really frothing at the idea of getting that opportunity, especially with the belt in tow. Uh, so I'm doing everything I can to get through this Hiromi match and get through whatever else and just stay tuned to the news of what's happening back home and everything else in the world so I know when and how I can come home because, you know, at the moment it's – I sat at home for seven months before being here, so I kind of have to commit myself to to be at work. Like, this is my job. This is reality. So I'm here until it's viable to go home. And uh, like, I don't know how much you guys know about it, but I actually struggled to leave the country and I was delayed by two days to actually get here when I was supposed to. Um, and that was because of our government saying I wasn't allowed to leave Australia. Uh, after I called and say, said, hey, do I need an exemption? These are my situations with visas and whatever else. And they went, no, you're cool. And I get there and they're like, oh, actually, it's the exact opposite. You need to prove this, this and this and oh. miss my flight. And then it was all up in the air. So this this whole situation might not have even happened for me. I might not have been IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion if uh, things didn't work out. But it's a lot of stress and work involved between me and my wife scrambling to figure out what it needed to be to get me here. And luckily enough, I got the exemption and I came. But now... You know, as I've left, I left the day the lockdown started in Sydney and things have gotten worse and things have gotten tighter in terms of restrictions and they've capped people in half that can return. So even when we get to the stage where maybe I can return, maybe I get knocked back because they've reached the cap at that point. So who knows? Like, I'm just taking it a day at a time. So as much as I'd love to be back and defend the championship in Australia, in Max Watts, in Thornbury Theatre, over at EPW, wherever I, I can go, it's all about when and where can I go. Uh, so we'll see where this strange times that we're in takes me. 
Yeah, you don't think about that. So when you're at the airport and you're told, uh, sorry, mate, you're not allowed on the plane, um, how much anxiety are you feeling at that stage? No, I was about to cry uh, straight up. Like I got there so early, had everything, like I'd done so many checks beforehand and there's a lot of processes that we have to go through to fly internationally now. Uh, I was fully vaccinated. So I thought that was something that was going to, you know, just help my cause even more because I'm fully vaccinated prior to leaving the country. So I thought, okay, I'm in with like a better shot to like, just be able to go scot-free. But um, yeah, it wasn't the case. And it was something that I kind of just learned about everything that happens. And then through that, I took a deep dive through a rabbit hole of, um, you know, other Australians facing the problem, whether it's coming into Australia or trying to leave for lots of compassionate reasons. And there's a lot of people going through a lot of troubling issues to get through this process. So I just took the advice from wherever I could and put in the work and, you know, turned up two days later and, you know, got to the gate and they're like, yep, you've got the exemption. And I was like, cool. I only found out then and there. So I could have missed another flight. It was very touch and go. Um, so that's why I'm saying like this whole situation could have been completely different. We could have been having a very different chat right now, but I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate, but you know, I, I do the work, whatever needs to be done. I do it. If it's in the gym, if it's something like this, if it's in wrestling, like I do what needs to be done to make my dreams a reality. Yeah. The harder you work, the luckier you get. I, I hope so. I mean, it definitely helps that I've got, you know, such kind-hearted people like yourselves, like anyone else that's been a part of my journey that I, like, whether they knew about it or not, people were definitely sending me their energy to help me get through that. And, you know, that's that's probably part of it. Like, it's it's luck, but it's also, you know, the stars aligning and the skies opening up. But you said before, having patience and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and doing the work, it, it pays off. Uh, and uh, being the sniper of the skies, I could actually see the skies opening up because I sniped them. So <laughs> that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever said on a podcast. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out. Uh, that'll be our promo for the show. So Tony doesn't know how to edit. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send this in for approval. I'll be like, take that out. That's stupid. <laughs> um, Honestly, though, like uh, we want to thank you for for joining us, and and once again, we really want to congratulate you on on winning the championship. We know what goes into it. We know how much work you do, not just for yourself, but for everybody in Australia's benefit. Um, so, congratulations, and thanks again for making time for us. We really do appreciate it. You guys have a soft spot in my heart because uh, since we first did an interview years and years ago, um, it seems like my career has constantly gone up and up and up. So uh, I kind of look at people like yourselves as um, part of part of this journey just as much as anyone else. Um, so uh, and if it's a, an indication of my career, it just means I'm going to have like something bigger and better come my way next because I've spoken to you guys today. So uh, bring on the uh, the million dollar jackpot from the lotto tomorrow. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Robbie Eagles, for joining us on the turnbuckle. Thanks, guys. The cult of
And welcome back, part two of the show on the turnbuckle. Cold of personality, CM Punk's thing. There, got a lot to talk about. CM Punk, no very, idea why very that would be there. soon. Hey, no idea why that would be there. No, she was. Isn't he um, retired? Well, no, no. My information about someone going to AEW was wrong. <laughs> I thought it was an Australian, but it turns out to be a Chicagoan. Is that what you call them? I'm not sure. No, I don't know. Anyway, it sounds good. I uh, will talk about that shortly as we introduce Jules. To the program as well. Hello, Jules. Hey, how are you doing, you wonderful humans? Yeah, good. Thank you, And mate. Tony. <laughs> well, I knew he wasn't talking about me because he knows how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jules, well, a good friend of yours, um, Richie Taylor. I don't think it's on the run sheet, so I think I'll just bring yeah, it in. It's on the run yeah. sheet. Oh, is it? Then I'll leave it. No, it's, on it's not else. actually, but that's all right. It's not. Yes, but it that's is. All right. No, it's not, not on mine. It wasn't right. the one I got either. Keep going, Brent. Well, well, she um, was reading the run sheet and led Buddha no, into it. I, I, I didn't open it because it said it was Big Dude Energy. I assumed it was a run sheet from seven weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't matter what the title is. You just open it. I thought Jules, it was a virus. Jules, your vegan mate, Richie Taylor, has called quits on his wrestling career. A really sad time because, uh, in all honesty, the last 12 to 18 months for Richie have been absolutely massive. Yeah, he's he's been on fire, and look, I've I've said it for those who are unfortunate enough to follow me on Twitter. As I've I've said there, I think that's a guy who could hold the main belt in any promotion in Australian wrestling right now. Uh, on the run, he's been at with Wrestle Rock, um, and obviously with DMDU as well. So it's an enormous loss, and and you know one of the best humans out there for sure. Yeah, well, um, yeah, like I obviously. Um, He's toyed with the idea several times over the last few years, um, but you you never think that it's going to actually happen until um, obviously he's had some injury news. He's got a baby on the way, which is really exciting news. He's moved to borderline country Victoria as well. Um, so getting to shows becomes a lot harder and you weigh things up and he's made the choice that's right for him. And you've got to respect that because to as David Storm said when he was talking about Jet Broker, too many people don't make the right decision for themselves. So I'm excited to see what's next for Tory Puglisi, the man, um, when he puts Richie Taylor to bed at the end of the year. And um, and we've got some big news that we'll reveal in a couple of minutes after you guys say what you think about um, Richie Taylor. Yeah, I think it's sad, but touching what Jules said, he was... Um you know, could hold the belt in any promotion. That's fair. I was talking to you earlier today, Welsh, his ability to connect with the crowd. Was yes, that were my words. Uh, yes, they were your words. Um, you know, as a baby face, which is the hardest thing to do in wrestling these days. Um, you know, well, I remember when he came to MCW and it felt like he brought two football teams with him uh, from Werribee on a bus and they, they stole the show. The crowd stole the show. And made Richie Taylor that night for the people that had may not have seen him before, and then he just he took that to another level. Every everywhere he worked, um, yeah, and he worked matter. everywhere. He worked everywhere, everywhere, everywhere in Victoria. Um, he worked and in, never got old. No, so but injuries they suck. 
Um, he's in his 30s now. He has a new career opportunity, baby on the way. Yeah. Yeah, what can you say? Stepping away is the right decision for the man behind Richie Taylor. So, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. My fondest memory of Richie Taylor was being the only wrestler to give me a high five in the last 12 months at that DMDU show. So I thank you greatly for that. That was WrestleRock, Tony. I know you were drunk that night, but it was definitely It was WrestleRock, you're right. It was WrestleRock. And before he did the, uh, was that when he was before he did the back of the toilets? It was the night Tony tried to keep up with me on the alcohol. Yeah, it was a bad mistake. <laughs> yeah. I have to say Rookie. though, um, his words are are the best words to describe the situation. If you haven't seen his video that the DMDU have, have, have tweeted out there, um, it's definitely worth a look. And and going on on from what Lyle says, this is a man who loves professional wrestling, and that's why he did every show he could and those those small shows. And um, you can see you can hear the emotion in his voice as he's talking about it. So yeah, I fully recommend watching that video. Yep, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to have a chat too. Well, we've got Richie. big news, so I want I want yep. Jules to unveil some big news that we've got. So next week we will be speaking to Richie Taylor. Richie Taylor, <laughs> Australian <laughs> yeah. exclusive, yeah. worldwide Absolutely exclusive. Yeah, we're getting the podcast scoop. So so we're getting uh, the the first podcast interview post uh, announcement. So uh, I, it's going to be emotional, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah and look. Um, I'm really happy. Uh, Jules, obviously, you're very good friends with Richie, and it's it's going to be emotional because you're an emotional guy, and and it's going to be great to hear two friends talk about what has been a good a good career that became great late. Um, he really had a career rate renaissance, and um, and I'm looking forward to to hearing hearing that. Let's see if I can get Kleenex to sponsor that show next week. I was about to say, I'm looking forward to not being the only person that cries over wrestling for once. So, um, yeah, it'll be a welcome change. Hey, I tell you what, I nearly cried on the weekend with that return of CM Punk to wrestling. Uh, and I only, cri- I only cried really? because it was the biggest pop I've heard for a wrestler for a long, long time. And I think you reminded me, Welsh, that probably Edge's return a, a few years ago. Had uh, that massive pot? That was out of the Royal Rumble or something, wasn't it? Yeah, that'd yeah, be the, the closest. Yeah. That'd be the closest. The, the closest. Yeah. Time. That's. Um, I tell you what, I um I didn't see it live because last week on on this podcast, Lyle said that it started at ten a.m. So after I was there refreshing for an hour and a half, I gave up and I had to end up watching it on replay. And I didn't see it live either because I was watching two oh five live at the time. And I wanted well, to watch it. Good. And I wanted to watch it live. I didn't want to watch that's, that later because obviously I have to do my report. So that's classy Vince McMahon and WWE counter programming that. Yeah. Tony, so I but I did watch it. I did you. watch it later. I don't blame you. I, you talk about you almost cried on the weekend, Tony. I, I sat there and watched uh, Rampage with my wife, and the Rock movie. It's a bit off topic. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah. I said, do you want to watch Rampage? She said, sure. I couldn't believe why she was so excited. Tony plays um, the gorilla. We should watch it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one of the biggest wrestling news stories to come out of the year, and we're talking about the Rocks uh, movie. San Andreas was good. I thought no, that I was all right. It. No, it I didn't look good. 
No, I haven't seen it either. Jumanji's um, good. I, I thought the way they built the the start of the show with just watching the letting the crowd just chant his name and really yeah. drag out the anticipation. I know while she waited for two hours for that anticipation to finally um, erupt. At least I announced that he would definitely open the show. I had um, Numb Nuts Corey arguing with me on that. No, there was only one way to do it. The crowd would have hijacked the show, um, and you don't want that, that's for sure. So um, can you remember when I went to Chicago? I, no, I think I've mentioned that too. Nothing to no. do with this, Tony. No, no, but it is because the crowd at that time, because he's... Sam Punk is a Chicago guy. All is he? through the night. First time hearing it. All through the night, the CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk at that WWE event. And these guys, I think, actually knew that he was going to be there at this event on the weekend. So it was even louder. It, it is overtaking. Yeah. Well, well I, I think I think if CM Punk didn't show up, I, I would have called AEW out on false advertising, even though they, they didn't, didn't advertise him. I tell yeah, you what, it's though, close enough to it. The fact that and I believe I tweeted something to this effect. Um, the fact that a TV show that airs at 10 p.m. at night, um, that goes, it's an hour-long throwaway show at 10 p.m. at night, um, an entrance on that show, like not even a match, not even his good promo, his ring entrance was the highlight of SummerSlam weekend. Um, and it's not a WWE programming. That, if I told you that three years ago, everyone would have said that, no, that, that's stupid. But um, 100% that was the highlight of the weekend. And it was a good weekend of wrestling from and both yet. companies yeah. um, and, and DDT. But the fact that it was such a big moment, the fact that it did pop a rating, almost like the rating is comparable to Raw and it's a 10 p.m. television show. It's good for wrestling. Definitely. I tell you what's what's great as well is the fact that that was about the the post show stuff with the guy crying, and how much wrestling's changed. Where the it's still real to me, damn it, guy was a, a figure of fun, but now we're celebrating the fact that you know I'm going to count me and Lyle in there. You know, you used to have the the Muta scale for Crimson Masks. It's now the like the pumps the punk scale for for tears. The fact that um, we're all boiling our eyes out for it. And being surprised is the um, Liger getting announced for PWA scale. <laughs> <laughs> How many, t- through the whole segment, obviously him walking out, taking that initial reaction in, him hugging the fan. Yes. I started crying well, fans, again. there was a couple of him, I was worried about he COVID stopped. when he did that. Well, personally. you know, you know there, um, there's no Delta variant there. Did the uh, uh, did the uh, the surf the crowd surf that one there's there? So when he when he hugged the certainly... grabbed the fan and did then you see the stopped. security guard's face when yeah. he jumped so, in the yeah. crowd? Yeah, it was like four or five moments of just started crying again. My wife's laughing at me. Um, so the moment the moment for me was and he apparently his whole promo that he he, he spoke he didn't rehearse any of it. It was all just on the spot. It's a wrestling promo, so yeah, he's he can a professional. Say that all he wants, he definitely knew what Correct. he was going to say. The line, yeah. though, that the line, though, that really got me was when he said, and he was giving a massive dig to WWE, why would I return to the place that made me sick in the first yeah. place? And look, yeah. you can think what you want about CM Punk, the person, CM Punk, the wrestler, has always been over and 
Um, it'll be he's got some interesting matchups, which is cool. Um, and I think he's going to be a better wrestler for having dabbled in MMA, if you know what I mean. He's going to have different offense. I think we're going to see a different CM Punk. He's older. He's not going to be able to do some of the things he used to do, but I think his grappling will be much better. His submissions will look realer, and he'll be a better wrestler than mm. what he was. Speaking of old age, I can't wait until we get to WWE SummerSlam. Uh, that's very shortly. Well, and we can, because my highlight of the weekend is still um, Eva Marie versus Alexa Bliss. No comment. Uh, <laughs> finally, well, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Head to YouTube and watch the after match press conference with CM amazing. Punk and Tony Khan. Tony yeah. Khan is fairly come sitting like there, sitting there like a fourteen year old with his first direction. You just cannot wipe the smile off his face for forty five minutes. Who's having their first direction at fourteen, Tony? You're a late starter. I wasn't. Well, yeah, there's a different time back then, I guess, Tony. Um, well, he only yeah. looks 14 too. That's the well, thing. No, obviously he's their quintessential wrestling he's a mark. Dork. But he is a he is a mark. The the whole the whole segment, I thought it was uh, therapeutic for CM Punk. Yeah, and like he apologized to fans as well for going away and then allowing him to come back. That reaction, falling in love with professional wrestling. Like you said, he was sick, and he felt. For a guy like CM Punk that lived and breathed professional wrestling to fall out of love, which as fans, we've all been there. Yeah, we've I'm all there been there. Well, well, she's in that bit now. Hopefully, he's coming out of it soon. Um, when Brian that's Daniels like you go see up. it live, when I can see it live, that's what um, I'm like. Yeah, I, I felt that. And then when he did the press conference, that just shone through for 45 yeah. minutes, and it was just a big wrestling love fest with involving CM Punk. Um, yep. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. Jules, DDT's Peter Pan review. Ah, uh, look, incredible. I know we talked about it a lot in the build-up, but um, I, my highlight was was definitely the best visual of the weekend was the current Blast death match for sure. Um, Did Makito survive? That's all I need to know. Just about, but when you saw the impact of those two barbed wire explosive baseball bats coming together in the ring. That's my visual of the weekend. Just oh. when you see that gift, it was just incredible. Uh, it was it was outrageous. Both, both wrestlers looked frightened. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, I don't think they were expecting that. They might have been think, expecting a AEW kind of explosion. Uh, it was a Nonita one. Um, my visual uh, of the weekend was the double ring match, Jules, that they <laughs> <laughs> And only use the uh, second world, ring for what, like 30 seconds a minute? For anyone, I've never put a ring together, but for anybody who's ever put a <laughs> ring together and work ring crew, they must, it must have popped them or hurt them so bad seeing that they've, they've put that ring together and for about, yeah, 20 seconds they used it and then it just stayed there in shot for the whole rest of the three-hour show. It was just beautiful. Um, uh, can I ask who's the current um, Iron Man super-duper heavyweight champion at the moment it's still Dino that must have that must have almost was that a feature of the show at all no I think it was in the previous show so yeah it was one one title that didn't get uh, defended it would have been like a nine hour show if it had but it could have been (laughs) but it could have been defended during another match to be fair 
Oh, they can right. do anything. Yeah. Look, and I think that the hardcore match as well. Shunma Katamata is, is uh, one of my my top guys in in DDT. So it's probably the most Lego I've seen in a in, on a, in a ring, and to wrestle the whole match barefoot, um, whilst taking some sick bumps. They should have made that second ring out of Lego. <laughs> yeah. it probably would have survived the 20 seconds definitely um yeah some of those spots like coming off the ladder barefoot straight onto the lego yeah, yeah no it was yeah but it's yeah it's more the squeamish side of the spot like it doesn't look ridiculously impactful but everyone stood on a lego before and it's can, not fun <laughs> can dmd you please do that construct a lego mat to wrestle on. Oh, how, Lego, do our, how do we get our logo on a Lego mat? Oh, we'll well someone's going to have to make it. That's a lot of well, black and white blocks. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Wrestling on a Lego mat. My son has a has about a ton of Lego. Maybe I could make just our mm, uh, logo. There you go. Uh, so, out of ten, Jules for DDT's Peter Pan review. Uh, probably a solid nine and a half. Okay, um, nice. Storyline advancement as well. New champs. That kind of stuff. Um, it's it's yeah. I'm psyched for the next show. All right, beautiful. Uh, WWE SummerSlam. Lyle, Welshie. I I, yes, I can I, I only a... want to talk about the last three matches because they were the only matches that actually got my attention at all. The Raw yeah, Women's I mean, Championship was pretty good. Yeah, I mean Nikki doesn't do a lot for me, but um, Rhea and um. Charlotte. Charlotte have really good chemistry, so I, I can I'm, watch. Like, I'll be happy with those two wrestling every week. To be honest, I agree with you with Nikki. I don't get the character. No, I, I, under, I understand that she's meant to be a superhero, and all. I just no, don't she's going to be almost a superhero, which That's is right, exactly. even stupider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. But I mean, I've never got Nikki, so that's that's fine. It's not my thing. Um, Becky Lynch's returns an interesting one um, because. The burial that people are saying is the burial of um, Bianca Belair. I'm prepared to wait and see what they do and see if this results in some career, like some character progression for Bianca. Does it give her a harder edge? But seeing reports that they're planning on trying to book Becky as a heel, it's not going to work. And that's going to bury Bianca if they do that. So this is is um, what they do with baby. I'm really worried. this should have been Bianca turning heel now to get her title back. That would be good. It would give her a harder edge. But if the rumors are true, and you can take it for with a grain of salt because it's coming from the wrestling journalists, but if it's true that they want Becky to be the heel, that didn't work last time. And it's not going to work this time because people are happy to see her. But she did wrestle that match like a heel. So I am worried. What? Why, after 16 months off, just having a baby, would the crowd want to boo Becky Lynch? They won't. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's why I don't. I don't. Unless understand you put her with it. Seth and make her a dork, but that takes away. No, like, no, she's they, money. They, she's yeah. one of the few they've got that's over. So, and they've why, already why said they you... don't want to work together. So that that's probably not going to happen. It doesn't either. matter what they want. Well, yeah, WWE is for an audience of one. You know that. Um, well, I could tell look, from the weekend. Let's talk about the positives. There were some positives. Edge and Seth um, Rollins goes down as one of the matches of the year so far. That was that was definitely Edge's best match since he's been back. And I think 
if we can keep putting edge with good workers, like Seth's, like, say what you want about Seth. He's one of the best workers in the world. And if he wasn't in WWE, everyone would still love him. He's insanely good at what he does. And some of the transitions and some of the reversals in that match were insanely good. So I think keep edge against the workers and we're going to have some more edge moments, which is what we want. We want moments from edge. We don't want long, long drawn out things. We just want a good match every three months. Yeah. That spear through the ropes to the floor. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy Um, stuff from a guy coming back from a neck injury, then busting their ass for near on 20 minutes. Uh, The brood entrance as well. Bringing out their old finishes. Like the pedigree came out like, the Grand Slam. The Grand Slam. Edge used the Grand Slam. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. that was a cool moment. I think um, Edge still makes everything that he does mean something. It's like whenever you hear him talk about wrestling and anytime he has, like, something to complain about, it's all really small things. Like, uh, when they did that in the match, it didn't look like they were trying to win. It always looked like Edge is trying to win. And that's something yeah. that we... That's something that's that's really different about what he does. Everything means something. And uh, those two had really good chemistry. It wasn't a match I was looking forward to. Uh, Well, a match that I definitely wasn't looking forward to, and it confirmed everything was Bobby Lashley and Goldberg. I I mean, I, I respect Goldberg for what he's done in the business. I think he's been a fantastic character in the business for definitely a long, long time, but it's got to stop. Uh, I remember there's there's some point where a man's got to know his limitations. He looked incredible. He looked great, but he just can't wrestle anymore. He looked incredible. He could never wrestle. No, but even less. Physically, physically he's he's struggling. He looks banged up. I I watched it uh, on Monday, so I didn't watch it live. So I've seen all the feedback and stuff. Watching his entrance, whether he come in with his left knee already injured, because... You know, when he has that real intensity of the yeah. his walkout, you know, with and the, the big kick and stuff, yeah. it wasn't as that. And I thought was, he injured his right knee during the match as well. Like he looked like he yeah, tweaked so that like at that, one stage. Yeah, like fifty-four years old or whatever, however old he is, and then having him walk three miles to the ring as well. Yeah, you know, he could have been blown up before getting to the ring. That entrance was that right. long. Surely they could have got those little carts um, from earlier WrestleMania. <laughs> WrestleMania three. Yeah, WrestleMania um, three. I tell you, I tell you what. Like when um, I remember at the end when, when the beatdown happened and Bobby Lashley was getting his heat, um, I was talking to my good friend Todd from Wrestle Radio Australia, and um, we thought that was the moment for Lesnar. Like, that's when I wanted to see Lesnar come out. The commentators were selling that he can't. He, no one can stop this. No one can stop this. How good would it have been if Lesnar had come out? Yeah. He's friends with Goldberg. Yeah. He stops this. And then Lashley versus Lesnar is the money match. Both MMA guys, there'll be the, is it real? Is it not real? That's the match we want to see. And yeah. how they good get... did Brock Lesnar look? No, well, he... You, yeah. he looked incredible. Well, I, seriously, he looked 20 years younger. I didn't recognize him when he first. Except for his forehead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His forehead yeah. was 10 years older. He looked like yeah. a butcher. Did, and was he giving. Is he giving credibility to a man bun can be toughness as well? Like because that's oh, no, that was, the scariest yeah, man good. bun I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it was good that uh, Dean Ambrose uh, lent him his attire. 
so he could uh, come to the ring in. Um, oh, the wing, the wingtip shoes was very good with the bell bottom. I felt like he was jeans. wearing he was wearing dress shoes, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And the the it was like jeans from the two thousands that get yeah. caught under the heel, so they're all jagged on the I'm end. Not, I'm not. You can wear what you want, Brock. <laughs> he, feel, he fills no up a tank top, doesn't he? Uh, He's, uh, he looked like, he looked a million bucks. And look, um, at least when we see him wrestle Roman, it'll be completely, despite what Alvarez says, it'll be completely different to when we've seen them before. So I have that familiarity, but in reverse roles. And let's give some respect to firstly to John Cena, who who still got it. Oh, without oh, a doubt, um, yeah. it was a good match. And let's give respect to Roman, who has the ability to get 50 or probably wasn't 50, but they said it was 50,000 people cheering Cena and cheering Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Unheard of. Yeah. And then then Brock had to go undo, undo all that good cheering by suplexing the shit out of John Cena once they went off the air. So I think the crowd loved that. And then, (laughs) um, and then he was high-fiving children. I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. Like, is he happy to be back in wrestling? I don't know. But I did I'll he watch what? Punk and go, I'm gonna be happy now. <laughs> Possibly. I don't I don't know. Putting your kid up there to go high five Brock Lesnar, I'd be worried. Even Tony wouldn't want that high five. No, no, no exactly. No. So WWE SummerSlam was on the Sunday our time, not the Monday, and Monday was NXT takeover. Boys, thoughts on that? Especially, I know, Jules, you've got comment on one match that just absolutely popped you. Yeah. Yep, no, Dakota no, Kai versus, versus um, Raquel Gonzalez. Go, try to take it away, Jules. It was a match. It was but a good match. In other news. <laughs> LA no. Drake versus Cameron Grimes. LA, Go, LA Jules. Knight. LA Knight. Go, Jules. Trevor Lee, right? Oof. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, it, no, no surprise from me. Brit rest dog for for Volta versus Ilya Dragunov. So, one word: unbezig bar. Ilya Dragunov, unbreakable, invincible. Um, and in the words of Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised how good that match was because look, that's their, I think their third title match. They're all on the network as well, so you can just go back and watch NXT UK when they've, they've um, been for that belt before. Hasn't Even been cancelled. Well, everyone on NXT, NXT UK has been cancelled. That's why they're there. But, Except for Millie. Shout out to Millie McKenzie. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. But um, yeah, even the Progress Chapter 92, where they wrestled for the Progress World title, is on there as well on the network. So I just encourage anyone to go back um, through all of his. There's, there's even a best of on there, which has got a bunch of matches him against Carl Fletcher and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that match itself was just so dynamic, so hard, so strong. Uh, and an incredible story of someone like Walter, Walter kills, right? That's his whole thing. And Ilya Dragunov can't be killed. So something had to give. And who knew that finish? Oh, uh, the finish, yeah. um, I refused to believe that, they were, that Walter could lose. And like he took finisher after finisher and the intensity was going up and up. And then that final um, chokehold uh, into the tapping out, like I... Uh, it, I still didn't believe that it was happening when it happened. And shout out to WWE for finally making a Russian a babyface and a champion because that's something I never thought I would see. Um, and shout out to GWS because I believe that the similar theme music between you and Dragonov. 
Nah, I, I watched this match twice. I watched it again today. And from start to finish, just the way they sold the story at the, at the start with dragging off, you know, chopping the big guy down, hitting four or five moves in a row, and then Walter just hitting one move and killing him. But him getting back up, you know, they held off Walter's first chop or slap, you know, for the first four or five minutes, really building to it. And when he hit that one, bang, straight off the, the, the uh, ring apron, um, you know, dragging off chest was mince meat. Oh, his whole body high, was high neck, high neck. His face uh, looked like he'd been through twelve rounds with Tyson. Yeah, well, he had already had that big uh, patch of stitches <laughs> from the earlier in the week. Uh, was that against O'Reilly? Uh, I believe um, it, it doesn't matter anyway. But they, these guys could really wrestle once or twice a year for the next ten years, and it's going to be an amazing story slash feud that can continue on if they're in the same company or anywhere in the world. Well, Walter is something that it's really difficult to be in 2021. He's unique. Um, so I, I'd love to, I'd love to see less of Walter. So put him in the, put him on the shelf for two months at a time. And then he comes in when there's a one month story to tell um, because the less you see him, the more special that he'll stay. I mean, I don't think anyone should wrestle 12 months a year. I've, I've been saying no, that course. for a long time. But with Walter in particular, he doesn't want to move to America. So bring him out for a month at a time. And I think you don't have to just use him on NXT then. He can come in, do a month on NXT, go away for two months, come back month on Raw, away for two months. Bring him out when it's special because um, nobody does what Walter does. You know what really got me in that match, the key moment for me, and it was just a little detail, probably three quarters of the way through. Dragunov was up on the on the, the on the turnbuckle, and he was about to to pop a drop kick, and Walter's on the floor, the dominant beast who can kill anybody, and he's looking at him. He knows it's coming, and he's waving his hands at him, saying, "Don't, please, don't do it." And Dragunov has the nerve when he's looking eye to eye to actually hit the drop kick on the floor. Um, cracks him in the arm and you, you know there that he's beginning to break and it was just beautiful. The only issue I have with that moment is I actually did see Walter telling Dragonov to go to jump up to the top <laughs> right. I did, I, did notice, I did notice that. But yeah, that, that little detail, seeing Walter yeah. beg off, which you don't see. Never. And it wasn't it wasn't over overly done. It was just a little bit uh, yeah. And uh, uh, shout out to the women, uh, to I made a joke earlier, but uh, Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez was a really good match. I'm only halfway through the show. I've still got two matches to watch. But that match um, showed what Dakota Kai can do. Like, they started the first minute or so. It looked like they were a little bit nervous. But after that, um, Dakota looked like she could win a lot of for a lot of that match. And... Raquel Gonzalez, for someone who doesn't have a wrestling background, she's a success story of their system that they'd want to be using as their um, as kind of the pinup because they don't have a lot of successes like that. Hmm. Oh. I have to admit, I know I, I kind of like lost over it before, but um, I'm going to go back and watch the rest of the show. I did only watch Walter Dragunov because you know I don't, don't I don't watch, watch the first a lot of match. It. 
But no, but I do feel like the, the way it was presented, I haven't watched WWE for a long time. And the way it was presented, even the lack of camera cuts during that match, it's actually made me want to watch the whole show and give a lot of respect to those others. Yeah. I like Barrett I think... on commentary. Oh, no, he, he, he's There's great. a lot of Andy Coyne about Wade Barrett. <laughs> yeah. Was Wade Barrett trying to kill companies? <laughs> Andy stopped trying to kill companies. No, COVID did that. Um, no... I know we've spoken about it before where NXT and NXT takeovers really lost from not having the live crowd there. Mm. That just helps. Like, and you could tell the difference, um, you know, from, from Saturday with Rampage, you know, Sunday with SummerSlam having 47,000 or whatever they, and then Makes Monday with NXT, you know, the live crowd is, I, I, it can't be understated how much it means and helps wrestling at the same time. It's a character uh, in the show. It, it has to be, um, you know, because it was a great show. Like you'll enjoy Cole and O'Reilly when you, when you go and watch it. You know, I thought that was great. You know, the main event was Samoa Joe and Cross. Yeah. That was good. You know, seeing Samoa like Joe it. do what Samoa Joe does best. Ted DiBiase has aged. He has. No. no, he still looks the same as he did 20 years ago. He's put on a couple of kilos and he doesn't move yeah. as well, but have we all? Um, yeah, we have. Oh, well, Jules has <laughs> no, That's true, but, but um, yeah. yeah, look, Samoa Joe seeing Samoa Joe at wrestle again and be cleared that's that's um, pleasing, yeah, yeah, that's good, you know. And Cole, Cole obviously losing is um, you know foreshadowing if he's going to re-sign or is he going to show up with the Welsh's mate, Brian Danielson, at well, another they haven't announced. They haven't announced that he's left, so... Yeah, you know, he, but he's saying he's not giving up Twitch, so... He said, oh, he get... also said, I'm not... Um, I'm not... They've announced that it's his last NXT match. Yeah, so... Uh, but that was that was really good. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil it all, all for Jules, but, you know, the first fall... It's just a normal wrestling match. Well, I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't care spoiling so it for you. you don't care if you spoil it nah, for me. No, nah. and I know Tony Tony would have Usually watched it up. No, well, I watched bits and pieces of it. Yeah, yeah I watched yeah. bits oh, and pieces. What did you, what did you we watch? Had, we had TakeOver, we had SummerSlam, we had Rampage, but this was the highlight of the weekend. This is 205 Live. In my 205 Live report tonight, Grayson Waller back in the main event after a fantastic win last week. He came up against a very angry and sick human in Joe Gracie. Fantastic work by Grayson, who had the upper hand for most of the match, but Gracie finished him off after doing a handstand onto the ropes, bouncing off with a mighty forearm, copping Grayson flush on the chin. Grayson out for the count. Grayson remains the only man to beat Ikemanjiro, who notched up another win on the weekend, defeating Andre Chase in the semi-main event. That's the 205 Live report. Hang on a minute. What? Did, did you just throw to your own pre-produced package, Tony? When? Our when production you... values aren't that high in the best of times, and you've just thrown to your own well, grab. There is no doubt that 205 Live deserves that gravitas. What's <laughs> speechless. <laughs> I put it. 
I think Welsh he's muted himself because he's lost it. I I put it on the run sheet, Tony, so you can give us. What the fuck is this? You asked me to do a two hundred five review. Yeah, but I, I didn't think you were going to have pre-production behind it. I don't know if it's the best thing I've ever heard or the worst. I can't. <laughs> Why are you making yourself more important than what the about, rest of the show, Tony? What about the American at the start? 205. Live. <laughs> you went, you harken back to your gladiator commentating days with that, Tony. No, it actually felt like it, Lyle. You're right. Hey, Grayson oh, Waller, you. two points. When did you did you do that after you got into lockdown, Tony? Uh, I think I, most of Monday. Quarantine, yeah. Okay. Most of Monday. I hope my boss at work isn't listening because I was telling him I was doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a boss at work. Uh, wow. Anyway, there you go. Uh, coming up on Saturday, the 28th of August, around Australia, EPW tickets to Madness at Gate 1 in Claremont, UPW, Kabulcha X1514, Kabulcha 14. Isn't Kabulcha that drink that people drink to help their gut health? No, that's Kombucha. That's Kombucha. Uh, Abdullah uh, Kombucha, was it? Kombucha 14 in Kombucha South, that is UPW, and ACW, Evolve 37 at the ACW Academy in Prospect. That is uh, what's happening on the weekend in wrestling. Postponed, everything else. (laughs) Postponed, cancelled, rescheduled. Exactly. Um, Locked in their bedroom. Thank you, guys. Great interview Thanks, with Robbie Tony. Eagles. Look forward to catching up with Richie Taylor next week and look forward to bringing you some more 205 live results next week right here on the Turnbuckle. <laughs>